Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's finally fall. Yes. I've yes. Got, I've got fuzzy pajamas on. Mm-hmm. The wife and I have been playing board games before bed every night because oh, yeah. it's too cold to do anything else. <laughs> um, we've been drinking a lot of coffee just to stay warm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's here. It's finally here. Yeah, the dread chill of October. Um, which in LA, yeah. I feel like this is. Uh, I was I was uh, up in Portland for uh, a week uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was like actual like autumn in Portland, where it's like kind of chilly and there's like a crisp bite in the air. And then you come back to Los Angeles, and it's like, well, it feels like there's a big dude breathing on you, which is kind of like horror. So in this way, it's 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 an LA autumn, which mostly just means you're sweaty. You're mostly sweaty. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, Emily and I have been playing this board game called Harbor. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, I haven't heard of Harbor. Well, it's by Tasty Minstrel Games, which has an embarrassingly bad name, so they just shorten it to TMG. But um, it <laughs> is call. a small box uh, board game, so like it fits in the size of, like, I don't know, have you ever seen a, the board game Coup? Like how oh, small yeah, I, that box is? I, I, I actually have, I'm looking at the Coup box right now because um, Christina uh, amassed uh, an impressive collection of board games. Yeah. So it's the box of Coup, but <laughs> takes up about as much um, of the table as, like, a, a big board game like Catan or Ticket to Ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's like, it's a worker placement game, but you have a deck of cards, and each card is a building that you build <laughs> stuff on. Hell, yeah. That, that's honestly... And it's also fantasy, so, like, it's a harbor, but literally it's a harbor where, like, the fish market is a guy trying to sell a mermaid. He's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to buy my mermaid? <laughs> and, like, all of the the goblins are like the bankers and they're all wearing glasses and look beleaguered and like the um same the the city hall has like an intern ogre who's you know just basically looks like me but (laughs) with green skin right which i i think that's the thing is that when you reach about 30 when when you see like representations of things in fantasy i i feel like i'm i i gravitate towards the goblin looking motherfuckers where i'm like this is this is the mood yeah yeah, yeah. So, um, if y'all have not played Harbor yet, it's also because it's that small, like fifteen bucks on Amazon, and it's super good. Excellent. We honestly, the, I feel like the board game that um, Christina and I play the most is uh, Guillotine, which yes, is, we've been playing that this week too. It's amazing. It's, it's so good, and also because obviously, big mood for twenty eighteen is just. Uh, decapitating the bourgeoisie but also it's it's amazing that like uh first of all bringing it to dsa meetings huge hit uh and then also uh i love how on the packaging it stresses like yep this is a a fun and light-hearted game that's not actually encouraging violence against the ruling class wink wink um so we play a lot of that but also there's this other game called elevensies which quincy this is the most wholesome shit in the world elevensies is a, a a game where uh, you and uh, a couple of other people are trying to make the dopest uh, afternoon tea in town. So you're, like, trying to get really amazing snack carts and crazy teas and stuff. And uh, so you're trying to get the fanciest tea set. If you tie with someone else, 
literally the rulebook says, like, kiss each other on the cheek in celebration of your shared victory. That's um, so good, the rulebooks that are like, it's just a game, motherfucker. Sit down and don't <laughs> worry about it. Right, which Did also... Did you know there's yeah. a, um, a Levensies for one? There's a, there's a variation where you can play it by yourself, like Solitaire. Oh my god, that's... I, I'm probably gonna... Yeah, yeah, I feel like I need that. Yeah, I think it's also um, a print-and-play, so I think you can find the PDFs and just buy the PDFs online and print it on your home printer. This is amazing, because I didn't realize that both of us were into board games until literally this moment when we're like, let me tell you about fucking Elevensies. I also spent... Um, so this past week has been fall break, so mm-hmm. uh, to, I really let my hair down and organized my uh, comic books and board games by al- comic books by alphabet and publisher and board games by size so nice. all of my very large games are at the bottom of the stack and the very small games are at the top of the stack right that, 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 that seems like that seems like the way to do it um, so, I so- just got in the mail this board game called trap words that is basically code names except that your opposing team and it's made by the same makers of code names the oh, opposing yeah. team gets to write a list of words that if you say them they get points so like oh. they see the word that you're trying to guess and they say so like if you have to guess banana uh my team gets to write down yellow curve and penis and if you say <laughs> any of those words we get the point instead of you Holy shit, that's amazing. This is... Yeah, I'm man. so excited to play it. Jet I, games I, are geniuses. See, I've only gotten into board games in like the last year or so. I think one of my other favorites is uh, Letters to Whitechapel. Um, which, have you heard of Letters to Whitechapel? It's the Jack the Ripper game where you get to taunt the other players. <laughs> yeah, you get to fuck with the other players. Like, it's so... Oh my god, it's it's good shit. Um, so, the ghoul shit that I have been consuming this week... Uh, so, you know how Anne Rule uh, was a fucking luminary? Um, I, yeah. Yeah, I've been reading uh, Small Sacrifices by Anne Rule, which is the book that... She wrote about Diane Downs, who was, um, she, are are you familiar with the Diane Downs case? No. Oh, it's really wild shit. So, um, this is back in like 1983 and it's, it's all about, uh, the trial around how, uh, this mother, uh, showed up to a hospital with like a car full of kids who'd been shot. And she was like, ah, this random, this, this, uh, bushy haired stranger showed up in the middle of the road and menaced me with a gun and then shot all of my kids. And I just got them to the hospital and oh no. And initially everybody was like, oh, this poor mother, all of her kids got shot. And then everybody realized like, Oh, she totally shot them. And so she... And it's amazing because, like, when you look at Diane Downs, she has, I think, some of the deadest eyes you'll ever see. Like, Google image search Diane Downs, and this is the kind of book I'm reading. Um, And Anne Rule, honestly, her writing makes me resent every other true crime author I've ever read for not just being uh, Anne Rule. Like, the sensitivity with which she writes, like, how sharp it is, how... Like, just her style is... I, I would I would sacrifice a puppy to write like Anne Rule. She's she's so fucking good. I definitely need to check her out because I just found out my coworker wrote a true crime novel. Holy shit! I just googled Diane Downs. But yeah, anyway, yeah, my coworker, yeah. yeah, yeah, my coworker is a true crime novelist, and actually I've got her true crime book, so I'm definitely in that Ooh. mood. So I think mm-hmm. I'm going to, after I finish reading her book, go into 
this and rule. Wow, Diane Downs has the face of a. I don't know. Like it's a lot. It's a lot. And and also because it's it. What's amazing about it is that like Diane Downs as soon as because like, um, one of her kids um died immediately because from from gunshot wounds. She immediately after this happened was like giggling and uh, reenacting how it went down on the news with a reporter, and she was just like, "Oh!" And then I like threw the keys and like, "Wow!" She's like laughing and having a good time doing it. And this was the first thing that sort of twigged everybody to go, "Ooh, this this looks bad." Because like obviously, and it's one of the things that I really liked about Gone Girl is that it sort of examined like you know we do have a weird propensity for examining how people respond to trauma and judging them based on that like the bit where nick dunn everybody's sort of like you know he's disoriented at a press conference and everybody's like oh that motherfucker definitely did it and i think that speaks to a thing that i absolutely do where i make snap judgments based on nothing for for crime cases and and the thing that draws me to true crime and like the thing that always pops up a red flag is if someone is like i love charles manson because he was right i'm like get the (laughs) fuck away from me but (laughs) what i'm fascinated in is hey kate bender uh helped her dad and brother murder all these people by using her sexuality yeah i'm like what would make a person do that? And like well, that, like the the big overwhelming why, like why mm-hmm. is that a thing that happens? And yeah. like Jeffrey Dahmer fascinates me because, well, with Dahmer, I play the we can fix it. Like I think, right. like, what can we do to travel back in time to keep Dahmer from being a killer? Like, is it possible that? If he was out of the closet, if he had, if he had a different dad, if he hadn't had traumatic head injury, yeah, like what is the thing that would keep him from being a murderer? And like I know it's it's a dangerous game to play because like at (laughs) the end of the day he's a he's a shit bag, but Mm. I can't help but be a little sympathetic and fascinated by some of these. Absolutely. Criminals. Well, and also um, the other the other true crime case. So for uh, my job, I was trying. I was uh, I had to ab- uh, abort an article that I had started about like uh, towns with dark secrets because like I'd started out with like oh you know like it could be like a fun thing, but then I realized that, like this article is way too depressing and I can't keep a fun tone for it, um, which would would have been required for it. But this one you story... mean you're not making your job like a lot of other podcasts which we won't name <laughs> that's exactly right like i refuse to do jokey jokes about because like you know a lot of these it's like uh and anyway an eight-year-old girl got murdered and no one ever found out who it was and no one's ever talked about it but the one case that i desperately do want to write about uh the town of skidmore missouri um there was a guy called ken rex mcelroy who back in the um like uh, mid to late uh, 20th century an entire town killed this guy and no one snitched because this guy was such a bully like this guy was so terrible that he got shot by four different people and like 50 witnesses saw it and everyone like the cops came and did a very cursory investigation and, and an entire town went I didn't see nothing and <laughs> it never so no one ever no one ever got the, arrested so it is the um, industrial era who shot mr burns <laughs> exactly right like it's man like like the the ken rex who shot thing. mr burns in the wild west <laughs> yeah that's which and, and it's so incredible just because like i feel like if an entire town watched you die and nobody's snitching 
you died of natural causes at that point. <laughs> like you were, you died of being a son of a bitch, and nobody like. Yeah, so so Google Ken Rex McElroy if, if you're bored. It's and also you look at the picture of that guy and you're like, oh, that dude definitely deserved to get murdered in broad daylight. <laughs> that guy was a son of a bitch. <laughs> fuck, fuck that guy. Um, so his tombstone just has <laughs> "son of a bitch" carved on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I love that picture that you posted to the show notes. By the way, of Diane Downs, like just blood freezing that that gaze she um had a parole hearing a couple of years ago and she's still out here trying to get parole really uh, did yeah. michael alec ever get parole the the party monster guy i think he actually he did get prison i think he actually did get parole like michael alec i think he um had, he wrote a thing didn't he um the other guy well maybe he did but i know the other guy wrote the, yeah. the original book James, like, I know, James I know Michael Alec was very disappointed to have been in jail when Lady Gaga was at the height of her powers which I can listen if you're the party monster guy I can understand being bummed out you never got to hang out with like early 2010s Lady Gaga um, yeah yeah that is that's like you owe you owe me this <laughs> exactly right um, so let's let's jump into the first movie we're doing this week, which is uh, a movie I can't believe I had never seen before this episode. Oh, you've never seen it? No, never saw Dark City. Never saw Dark City. Um, holy Wonderful. shit! It is. Oh. <laughs> you got to tell me what you thought of Dark City. Um, so Dark City, I'm realizing a couple of things. One, I uh, I think this movie was after the movie uh, Seven, right? Um, it came out in '98. So, okay, so this was after Seven. Um, and I'm realizing, right like, before The Matrix. Right, right before The Matrix. This movie, it's exactly... What, what I love about Dark City, uh, first of all, the horror element of this is fucking... It's very quiet, but this is absolutely a horror movie, and it belongs on this fucking list, I think. Um, also because if, you know, if we, if, if we define horror as, like, an unseen malevolent force pursuing the protagonist, 100% that's Dark City. It's, it's so good. This movie is... Like, what, if you described noir, like film noir, to someone who had never seen a film noir uh, movie, it would just be Dark City. Yeah, it really feels like, but what if, you know, I'm going to make this film noir. Have you ever seen any other Alex Proyas movies? What else has Alex Proyas done? Um, besides uh, Gods of Egypt, he did a movie called... Um, Spirits of the Sky, Goblins of the Clouds, uh, which I just recently, <laughs> I know, it's, which is like, it's basically just up. a, oh, he also did um, iRobot. Oh, and The Crow. Oh, he directed okay. The Crow. Oh, shit. All right. So there we go. I, there's, listen, this and The Crow have the same lighting, I think. Yeah, they, they do, which is no lighting at all. No, yeah, yeah, fuck your lighting. And honestly, like... God, now that you now that I've realized that the same guy directed The Crow, this is basically what if the guy who did The Crow did The Matrix. Yeah, basically. Like it's stylish as fuck. So the the plot of the thing, uh, it revolves around this guy that uh, he's uh, very pretty and has curly hair, and he wakes up with, you guessed it, amnesia, and he has no clue who he is, what's going on, but he knows that there are these weird fuckers in fedoras chasing him which is also my understanding of the experience of every woman i know on twitter and they're chasing him throughout the thing and sort of like floating they're kind of like cenobites yeah they're kind of they are very cenobite-esque they are as pale as possible and 
they all have different names and personalities, but we're not privy to them except for like yeah. on the periphery. Exactly, and uh, so as the movie progresses, like also by the way, Jennifer Connelly is in this uh, voice of an angel. I had yeah, no idea that Jennifer Connelly sung that song. Well. Is entrancing. Oh, it's been stuck in my head for like a week now because of because of watching Dark City. Like Jennifer Connelly, uh, I think this was during the uh, the Connelly Renaissance in the late nineties. Yes, it was because it was right before A Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. And so that was definitely the. And before Requiem for a Dream. Um, yes, yes. I feel like you could maybe do a, a Jennifer Connelly double feature of Requiem for a Dream with Dark City, but you'd have to... I feel like you'd have to do Dark City after Requiem as, like, a pick-me-up, you know? <laughs> Just as a kind of, like, Man, hey, I hate to think of this as a pick-me-up movie. Man, it is, it is fucking bleak. You've got... Okay, so you've got Kiefer Sutherland as um honestly i hate to say this he's he's like a he's like a nazi scientist basically like he's got those well, little he, we do learn that he is a um collaborator he mm-hmm. he is working with the the villain which how much of this do you want to spoil because i feel like mm-hmm. on one hand it's old but i feel like watching it a second time um is not this movie doesn't hold up with re-watching because the mystery <laughs> kind of keeps it all together for you me. know what actually that's a really good point and when i was watching when i was watching dark city uh this week it reminded me of when i was in mid-college watching uh brick for the first time yeah and i got the same feeling of just watching it and going what the fuck is happening uh and you know what actually yeah let's not spoil the mystery and who did what um but Kiefer Sutherland in this movie, he talks like this the entire movie, and he's got tiny glasses, and and his behavior is entirely I'm a little shit weasel Nazi scientist, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it is definitely that I am doing something um, <laughs> morally wrong, but also science, <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> Ain't I a sticker? I just want to do my science, and whoever's going to pay me is going to pay me. That's ex- yeah. I, honestly, Kiefer Sutherland showing up in anything, I get really excited about because of I, how much I loved Lost Boys when I was a kid. So Dark City, this is all right. So if you gun to your head, if you had to put a genre on this, what would it be? Um, noir. Yeah. Like yeah. watch this with The Big Sleep. Watch this with Maltese Falcon. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you could do that, it's, or you could even you could even do like a double feature with Brazil for like yeah. sort of, especially the way that it's filmed, how Gonzo the camera work is. Like this movie has an aesthetic that I'm realizing. Like I'm I'm wondering now how many movies post Dark City were absolutely ripping off Dark City, or is it part of the same conversation in Dark City and those other movies are all basically just ripping off Blade Runner. I mean, if you've seen... So, I just watched Spirits of the Air, Gremlins of the Clouds, which is his first movie. Proyas was a music video director, mm-hmm. and then he started directing these movies. And, like, Spirits of the Air has no true plot. It's just music video imagery, and it's really beautiful, but it's mm-hmm. also very boring because not a lot happens. And Riss Davis is... Davies is in it, and she's amazing. But other than that, it's kind of a, a missable. But yeah. that just got dropped from Umbrella Entertainment, who... Um, oh, shit. If you guys aren't 
buying their Blu-rays, they're like, they're the next Arrow video. I think that Umbrella Entertainment's going to get like really huge in the next couple of years. Like, they just dropped a Razorback Blu-ray and Ooh, a um, a Bride of Reanimator Blu-ray that are crazy good. So. Oh man. So they're yeah company they're... to keep an eye out for, but yeah, like I think Proyas is not really worried about function as much as he's worried about style, and I think that's yeah. something that happens when I rewatch Dark City is some of the seams show a little bit more than when the first time I'm just like in awe of it, mm-hmm. and then the second time it's kind of like a okay the mystery kind of drags and and some of these scenes can be clipped out. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, I can't... I was I was trying to figure out while I was watching it, is this a good movie? And here's the thing. Oh, it's great. Like, is Purple Rain a good movie? Absolutely not. Is it a great movie? Fuck yeah. Like, I, I will watch Purple Rain any night of the week. And also, I think Dark City... This, this is another movie that I think would be really good to put on the background at a bar where it's yes. just... it's fast it's crazy and here's my question for you actually um i feel like i have described many movies as being a music video style because it's like directed by somebody who did music videos and that sensibility is obvious here's the thing am i full of shit and what the fuck does that actually mean when i describe a thing as being like a music video well a music video is non-linear it is jump cuts like yeah that's you know music videos don't tell well which let me rephrase that i think when we talk about music videos we're usually talking about like mtv week one which is like you know the same kind of videos like look at a video killed the radio star or a dire straits money for nothing and right look at a video killed the radio star or a dire straits money for nothing and those aren't narrative they're just images that sort of tell a story that matches the song yeah yeah that checks out like maybe and yeah that's in many ways what alex proyas's movies are they look cool they look cool as shit right i mean take the um take any nine inch nails video <laughs> <laughs> yeah by like mark romanek or something like closer or the perfect drug or something um, which yeah. is, is also a thing that I, I feel like I sort of resent about um, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street re, uh, re, reboot, which of the many things I resent about it is, again, the guy that directed it had only done music videos. And there's something about the style that I'm also like, yeah, this is basically like a music video. And then it's like, when I say a thing like that, I know it to be true, but I kind of don't know why. But it's kind of like pornography and that you're like, well, I know it when I see it. Like, I, I know you a know, directing Richard style that looks Stanley. like a music video started as a music video director and i would argue that hardware is very much a music video oh kind of i movie. i love hardware and it's absolutely a music video also i would i would say that um the fourth nightmare on elm street movie is basically the mtv freddy movie where it's just a, it's basically a music video um so where all right so looking at the list dark city let's uh well no we haven't done hellraiser 5 yet so we don't have any uh we don't have that one as a noir uh comparison Okay, so what about Jalo? Oh, does this count as a Jalo? I mean, no, but Jalo is noir tinged. I would agree, yeah. Like, they, they come, obviously, pulp. Like, they come from the same tradition. Yeah. Yeah, so 
the hmm. bird with the crystal plumage is number 144. Oof. I don't think it's that good. No, no, no. It's not as good as the bird with the crystal plumage. I think it's... Uh, I, I do know where I'm uh, putting it above. It is definitely better than the Devil's Rejects. Yes. Um, because it's a... For sure. Mo- it's a movie. Um, I haven't seen... All right, so uh, I don't know that it's better than Upgrade, because I feel like if we're going with, like, sleek, uh, cool techno horror, I feel like I gotta put Upgrade above uh, Dark City. Oh, for sure. And I would argue that the story of Ricky, I could watch all day, every day. Uh-huh. And in some fact, in, in gift form, I do. There are sometimes <laughs> when I just put movie sludge uh, Tumblr gifts. I, I load those up and just watch them. I watch <laughs> Ricky play violin with that nail through his hand just oh, back and forth. Man, that is, yeah, yeah, agree. Like, the visuals from that are incredible. So, yeah, actually, I would... I don't think I could do it, I, you know, I don't think I could do Dark City every day. Yeah. It's not an everyday food. So going by that, I would feel really good. I do think it's above Bloodbeat. Oh, for sure. In Dark City. So yeah, I, I feel pretty good about putting it at uh, in, in between uh, uh, above Bloodbeat and below Riccio, the story of Ricky. Yes. I. This is a movie that I'm actually, like... Because I have such limited space for discs, mm-hmm. because I am hoarding a lot of physical media, <laughs> right. this is a movie that's like a one and done. Like, I've watched it. I've watched it a second time. I've gotten the $3 Big Lots price tag out of it. I think it's ready to leave my house. That makes a lot of sense. Listen, I, it's, it's the problem that I have is I'm like, I love physical media, but also I live in a tiny place. <laughs> like, I cannot... Uh, the thing is, I've got a shitload of DVDs to send you, so I'm about to make uh, yours and um, M's life a lot harder. <laughs> it's just well, a way it's to okay. I have shit to send you back. So <laughs> excellent, and and in this way, balance will be maintained. So speaking of weird physical media obsessions, <laughs> let's talk about the silent scream. <sighs> Man, I all right. So I uh, tell me how I feel about the silent scream because I feel like I was mostly just waiting for Elvira to come back on screen. Okay, so let's talk about the silent scream. Is an episode of the television series Hammer House of Horror, uh-huh. which is Hammer Horror's TV show. Right. So the Tales from the Crypt with the Hammer stable of actors and directors. Mm-hmm. Um. But it was released as an episode of Thriller Video featuring Elvira, which is a VHS for purchase. Right. Uh, Ryan, is this one of those examples of, like, porn was not readily available in the 80s, so you would just buy an Elvira tape? I I feel like yes. I feel like this is... Um, it's kind of like why I resent Game of Thrones for thinking that it's transgressive to still have titties on TV, where it's like, yes, certainly that is Elvira and she has boobs. That's that is that is true. Can we? Is there something else going going on with this? And it's so like, ki- it's kind I, of no. I really like Elvira, and you know, it's almost like if I even say, you know, I read Playboy for the articles. It's like. <laughs> I could sit here and say, like, I really like Elvira. I think she's funny. I enjoy mm-hmm. her personality. Mm-hmm. I love the Elvira theme music. It legitimately is my favorite. Right. But all anyone is ever going to hear is, and, and those pumpkins, though. 
Yeah, I, my thing is with Elvira, I've realized oh that, like... Oh, God, I'm so sorry I said this. <laughs> I, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> no, it's... Here's the thing. It's... Uh, it fits. It's it's good, and it fits. I, the thing is, I... I almost feel like it's redundant to say, like, oh, man, I have a huge crush on Elvira. Like, well, obviously you do. Like, we, we all love Elvira. Like, I think... Um, I don't know. I, I actually, it, it almost feels like a bit of received sort of wisdom that like, oh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark is really, really good. And I've realized that like, upon going back and rewatching some of the old Elvira, Mistress of the Darks, a lot of it is a bit of a slog to get through. I feel like I'm being indulgent of the bad jokes where I'm like, oh yeah, that's okay. Well, I mean, I love Cassandra Peterson, so I guess I'll sit through this. Yeah, yeah. The, the actual segments are not that big of an addition they're not no i it, it makes me wonder okay so like joe bob uh joe bob briggs is I, I i almost kind of feel the same way about joe bob briggs where i i like the movies he shows and i like his commentary but maybe not at the same time well i would say joe bomb's a little different because he actually does have criticism and yeah. um and and Elvira's character is a valley girl, so right. she doesn't get to be incisive in the same way that Joe Bob is crass, but occasionally throws in a comment, and you're like, holy shit, you actually like these films and, like, have thought about them in an intense sort of way. Shit, that's a really good point, because, like, Elvira, I mean, I... Now, here's the thing. Having gone to see Elvira at Not Scary Farm... When I was there, like I, I'm, I'm a mark for Elvira, and that's not the question. I, I, I do feel like that's kind of the thing. Is like, well, I mean, Elvira is meant to be a comedy act about sort of like a, a valley girl who comments on horror movies. I can't really picture Elvira sitting around analyzing like Chopper Chicks and Zombie Town. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and and. I don't think we really need her to. And the thing I really appreciate about Cassandra Peterson is she is so, like, it's very clear that Elvira is a character, mm-hmm. and she she should be sainted because she's dealt with sweaty-palmed fanboys for 30-plus oh, yeah. years, saying, I really like that song where you talk about your pumpkins, or... <laughs> or um, you know, I grew up watching you. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, I'm, I, at this point, yeah, A, she's served her nickel, you know, like, doing the circuits and hearing from, like, <laughs> every sweaty, pubescent hobgoblin in the world going, hey, you know, I used to jerk off to you when I was a teenager? Like, man, what a wonderful thing to hear for decades. That's just outstanding, man. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like Elvira, yeah, it's, it's a combination of sort of, like, sort of uh, horror subculture tribalism, maybe a little bit, where I'm kind of like, listen, you stay the fuck away from Elvira. She is a saint. She is she is a fucking once-in-a-lifetime talent, parentheses. Not really, but who cares? She's Elvira, you know? <laughs> it's it's like how we feel about Bruce yeah, Campbell, yeah. I think. Like, look, Bruce Campbell's not the best actor in the world, but he's Ash from Evil Dead, so we love him and want to see him on the con circuit. Right, right. He's ours. We, yeah. we want to take care of him. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. But let's talk about the actual episode. So I think what what's buck wild is this is barely tape length. Like, the whole thing, if I had bought this on Thriller Video and not found it on archive.org, 
I think I might have been pissed because it's not a full hour. No, no. It's like what? It's like uh, 50 minutes or so? Well, I mean, the episode is a television episode, and then there's just a little bit more of an intro, and to pad it out, they just play lengthy clips of other movies you can get on Thriller Video. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking. But is this also my 2018 every movie I ever want to see is on YouTube or (laughs) Amazon jadedness and like if i was a true ghoul back in the day i would have to get this on vhs Uh because you can't get every episode of hammer house of horror or maybe you haven't heard of hammer house of horror you know it's just this one thing you would have seen well and and this is the thing that i think about a lot is like again i uh especially with like i'm now with things like vinegar syndrome or arrow video those make it easier to find uh, sort of uh, hidden gems that I might have missed or not seen before because it's not fucking Sleepaway Camp because every streaming service until the day I sink to hell wants to make me watch fucking Sleepaway Camp. Um, yeah, what's up with that? I stop. I do not. Know. It's 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 putting. Um, oh, I can't remember the the metaphor for it. But like, just because you make a good painted cover doesn't make it a good movie. That's that's completely right. I mean, shit. Look at beyond the gates um which is also the the front fucking banner for our podcast because here's the thing it's a it's a it's a great fucking cover uh but yeah so it makes me wonder how that's changed the experience of finding this stuff because right now i can go on amazon prime and find basically anything i, I want to find or i can find it via youtube or putlocker like the internet has made it so that i have every i can watch anything i want at any time and maybe that's not great for cultivating uh, an attention span for the kind of stuff that we watch. Well, in 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 my you know larval ghoulishness, <laughs> like I found the Undertaker and his pals at a Dollar Tree. Oh hell yeah! And it was like this this boon to have bought this terrible movie for a dollar and then made every person I know sit down and watch it with me. (laughs) And maybe there is something about that, which is also probably why I'm rushing back to Amazon every day to watch Evolver and, uh, Oh yeah. And Rottweiler from hell and stuff, because I always saw those tapes as a kid at my Blockbuster and never got them because I was too scared. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, well, maybe that is... Like, Carnosaur. Carnosaur is a fun movie. Yeah. And who would talk about Carnosaur except that it was a tape that was in everybody's Blockbuster or Suntan Video Emporium. Oh, man, Suntan Video, yeah. I... Yeah, yeah. So for a thing like Silent Scream... I kind of, whew, ha, I, I didn't care for this very much. Well, well, listen, it's the, the, pr- the true prison is your mind, man. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, oh. Do you know the part where the beginning of the movie, Peter Cushing is like, I, I was in the Holocaust and the guy's like, oh wow, you're such a brave survivor. And at the end he's like, mm-hmm. how could you imprison people? And he's like, because I was in the Holocaust, and then the, like, heavily implied is, I'm a Nazi. Yeah, which I'm realizing that I feel like almost more than any other genre, 
I feel like horror likes to pepper in weird Nazi shit out of nowhere. Well, it's the Nazis were zombies before zombies were zombies. I mean, we grew up playing Wolfenstein's Castle. It's okay to kill Nazis. Oh, of course. Um, It makes me think of Monster Squad and how, like, in this kid's movie about, like, goofsters and shit... We definitely need a Van Helsing XP who was totally in the Holocaust. Like, just let's just <laughs> let's just pepper yeah, that in there for this kid. in there, it's fine. It's fine. Although, although there, I, honestly, uh, a thing I think about a lot with Monster Squad is that two things. One, um, Michael Breguer had like I, th- I honestly think the best Dracula costume design outside of OG Bela Lugosi Dracula. It's uh, it's better than Bela Lugosi oh, Dracula. It's, it's just it's fucking outstanding. It's between that. Wait, is that the? No, that's not the first time we get Alucard, but it's maybe the best. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely yeah. It's between that and the fact that he picks up a four-year-old child and says, "Give me the amulet, you bitch!" Like to a toddler <laughs> in this movie. I oh. Oh, I just fucking love Monster Squad so much. Um, also, that theme song to Monster Squad oh, is a, it's out, a it's out. eternal jam. It's incredible, and I feel like I feel about Monster Squad the way I feel like a lot of people feel about the Goonies, because I never saw the Goonies as a kid, so I don't have that like childhood belief that the Goonies is good to sustain me. Um, the Goonies fucking sucks, y'all. Goonies is a very bad movie. Counterpoint. There's a cut scene where they fight a giant octopus. <laughs> I take it back. The Goonies is the finest film of the 1980s. Um, because, okay, so here's an important thing about the Goonies. At the end, mm-hmm. when when the kids are reunited with their parents, uh-huh. uh, Chunk is, is talking mad shit, and it, it plays as, like, you know, he just makes stuff up. And he's like, and then we found... One out Willie, and then we had to fight an octopus and all that. That's <laughs> referencing a cut scene in the movie. <laughs> Holy shit! So this is—is is there like a, a an assembly cut of the Goonies that makes it a good film? Uh, I mean, I would argue it is a good film. Well, there but, we go. Uh, ah, there we go. But to, but to answer your question, yeah, there is a cut scene, and you can see like. A, a work print of it. Hell yeah. Which, and, and in fairness, I'm wondering, all right, I tell you what, because you like The Goonies, I feel like I need to go back and rewatch The Goonies because I tried it a couple of years ago and I had never seen it as a kid. So I'm just like, what the, what the fuck is this shit? Uh, and then here's the thing though. It does have The Goonies Are Good Enough by Cindy Lauper, which features a video that has Rowdy Roddy Piper and the Iron Sheik in it. So, yeah, she was really into working with wrestlers. You know, and God bless her for it. And I love that this is because she happened to have once been on a plane next to Lou Albano and was like, oh, I guess I'm going to be in wrestling stuff. Um, so the silent scream, I... So obviously, I think this is better than the bees. Yeah, yeah. But okay, so it's a... Peter Cushing owns a pet store and apparently in the bottom in the basement he keeps wild cats and he is pavlov's dog treated them not to leave their cages because if they do occasionally electric force fields will chop them to bits and then he trains a man to be in a cage (laughs) he does do that so that's got a that's got a net at a few points i think and then it's the twilight zone-esque ending because it's a horror anthology series Mm -hmm. is he, the man thinks he escapes, but turns out the whole world is a force field cage, and he gets trapped in his own apartment because 
Cushing has wired it. Right. Shut. Because ain't I a stinker? And indeed, Peter Cushing. Also, is a they kill a dog in this, like yeah. a puppy. Yeah, we're out here killing dogs in this movie. Like the, I that I actually yelled. Where I'm like, that's that I did not see that coming. It is it is surprising. Okay, so so here's a statement I'm gonna make. Mm-hmm. This is the lead. It's Peter Cushing makes this episode, but. And now the screaming starts has Peter Cushing, and he's a much better actor in that. Yeah, I now the screaming starts. I feel like that's for me peak Cushing, like that's the zenith of Peter Cushing. So that's way down the list at number two seventy two. Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. So I feel like that's yeah, we've got a two seventy two. Now, hmm. which movie kills dogs more effectively, Spooky Buddies or this episode? Hammer <laughs> 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 House of Horror. <laughs> Oh shit! Oh my god! I Quincy, I love this. I no love this one in Hammer so House of Horror eats eyeballs and, and, farts, <laughs> and farts a death cloud. Farts a death cloud into an eldritch entity voiced by Diedrich Bader. Um, I feel fuck me, man. I feel good about putting Spooky Buddies above above that. However, I I will I will be I will be goddamned if I put a Peter Cushing movie below Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation. Hey, you know, this... Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the Next Generation for a second wasn't a movie. Oh, you know, it... Uh, My bad. I, I thought that was just a collective hallucination. It kind of is. It makes me think of that one line from MST3K where it's like, it shows like a written by credit. And it's like, this movie was written? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so coming in at our new uh, number 277, above Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the Next Generation, but below Spooky Buddies, is uh, Silent Scream. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of weird stuff we found, uh, let's talk about um, Fiend Without a Face. Shit, yeah. So Fiend Without a Face. I know, uh, so before I saw the movie Fiend Without a Face, I knew that line, Fiend Without a Face, entirely from two things. Uh, a lyric from The Misfits, uh, from the song The Crawling Eye, and also a song literally just called Fiend Without a Face by The Misfits. Yeah, so this this is a Criterion release, and I was at my local library looking for a movie in the G's mm-hmm. and just kind of browse. This is why physical libraries matter, people, because I was browsing the stacks, and this was next to the thing I was looking for, mm-hmm. and the back cover has a guy being strangled by a giant brain. So I was like, <laughs> why not? Sure. And then it's like the best final ten minutes of any movie ever made. Yeah, honestly. Now, the, the thing about Fiend Without a Face, it's uh, a lot of it is extremely British horror. Now, this is a thing that I wonder about. Is so so uh, if we're going with different countries and their horror traditions, I feel like we under, we you know America we have slasher movies, early '80s. I feel like there's a house style for what we do, or even just American like haunted house movies and possession stuff from the '70s. Uh, you know, Italy they've got Jalo films. Japan they've got like extreme Japanese horror, and I feel like everything has a house style except for like I think of English horror, and I mostly just think of Hammer horror. And yeah. this predates a lot of Hammer Horror, doesn't it? Yes, this is from the like late fifties, early sixties. 
Yeah, it's now it's it's extremely yeah, and the Fiend Without a Face is extremely 1950s uh, sci-fi where it's like, what if radiation, but too much because everybody's terrified about getting bombed off the face of the fucking planet because of the Cold War, uh, and so you've got sort of a lot of very serious people standing around talking about science stuff and kind of doing like reverse the polarity of the neutron flow kind of psychobabble. Yeah, why the fuck do so many of these 50s and 60s movies do that? And plane jargon. I don't care how airplanes work, people. No, no. Is it just because they have to pad to an hour and 14 minutes that they need to make dudes uh, talk or what? Man, that checks out, actually. I think it's just that the kind of people who were able to make movies were just, like, super into planes, but also into, like like dumb pseudoscience techno babble and so a lot of fiend without a face honestly it is a bit of a slog up until the last 10 minutes of the movie but then oh then gentle listener the greatest fucking last 10 minutes of a horror movie i have ever because, seen because because the mystery of the movie is something is killing people and we mm-hmm. can't find the killer yeah, and yeah, then it something... turns out it's because the killer was were invisible brains with <laughs> snail-like eye stalks attached and, to like spines, and their strength. And it's actually pe- spines wrapping around people's necks. And then oh, so this good. is how it's shocking that it's British and not American. They uh-huh. just shoot them all. <laughs> they just they just like yeet ac- they yeet across the room just like like just uh, uh, just launching themselves. I don't know. I don't know. Now the thing that I couldn't figure out the effect where the uh, detached brains attached to spinal columns with eye stalks just go flying the fuck through the air. Is that stop motion or was somebody just hurling them? Or were they on wires? I think it's a little bit of both. It's I think that's another mark of how good this movie is, is you look at it and go, how the fuck did they do that? Yeah, it's because, incredible. Because, like, there's, it's, it's, some shots are clearly an actor holding the prop brain on their own neck. And going, as it but strangles But other them. times, like, even to the, there's stop motion pulsing of the brain. Uh-huh. So, like, every frame someone is literally like palpating the brain so it looks like it's breathing yeah it it looks legitimately like brains flying through the air attacking people and every actor honestly god fucking bless everybody in fiend without a face for committing to this scene and just being like oh i'm getting attacked by a flying brain um and, and they're like and of course there's the like yellow belly dude that's like i gotta get out of here and it's uh-huh. like he gets eaten by brains and you're like yeah, serves you right. <laughs> brain, brain food. Yeah, of course he gets eaten by brains, and like you see, you see the brains inching along the ground, just like, and it's oh, it's it's the I honestly, I would watch so much worse and so much longer than Fiend Without a Face just to get to that ending. It, I actually went back and rewatched it like twice after after I finished that scene. It's yeah. It's so good. And it's so fucking it's I don't know if it's meant to be funny, but it's not it's not even so much that it's like funny as that it's just really impressively done. Yeah. So this is where I'm going to get real buck wild. Uh-huh. The ending of Fiend Without a Face reminds me of the ending of Evil Dead. The first really? one. The first one. Because okay. it is that shit goes crazy and also all of that stop motion clay work 
Yeah, it reminds me uh, of the ending of Seeding of a Ghost in a way, where it's just like a, a lot of sort of weird, incomprehensible shit that you have to get through to get to a barn burner of an ending. Right, right. I actually would say, yeah, so I think Seeding of a Ghost is definitely the better mm-hmm. film. Yeah, um, also because, I mean, Seeding of a Ghost, at least the, the rest of the movie, it's not so much technobabble as just weird, weird shit that's really fun to watch. Yeah, it's a... Seeding of a Ghost is, like, part police procedural, mm-hmm. part action movie. That guy breaks that dude's arms in a fist fight. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, and and where... That doctor at the end is the hero, and, like, we as the audience are supposed to know him, even though he just walked in the front door. <laughs> He's the hero because, sure, why, why, you know what, why not? He's the hero now. Um, and so... I think he, he, to be fair, that actor is playing a cameo. Right. And, like... In 1990 in Hong Kong, you'd go, oh shit, that's the guy. I can't believe he's this hero. Oh, but it would be like George Clooney like, walking in. Yeah, but like even in the world of the film, it is literally the doctor comes in and all of a sudden becomes the action hero in this movie, even though the entire hour and a half before has not mentioned him at all. <laughs> Thank God for this random guy. And yeah, which I feel like every movie should have that. Um, the Honestly, so Fiend Without a Face, it's not... Okay, I can't tell if it's a good movie or... Here's, here's my question for you. Am I... Like, are the pleasure centers of my brain just super burned out and I have no patience for good things or anything that takes longer than a couple of minutes to set up? Like, is... Is, is Fiend Without a Face actually a very interesting and engaging movie, and I'm spoiled and my brain is shot to hell? Or is it actually as boring as I think it is? It is boring because there are no good... There's one good actor in this movie, mm-hmm. the scientist. Oh yeah, he's great. We don't hear from him until the last 20 minutes of the movie, and there's no budget so they can't do the fiends until the end of the movie like it is by technical design that they're invisible hand wavy invisible because it costs too much to keep them in the whole feature yeah that checks out i yeah this movie i feel like it was building up to that ending which honestly you could do worse than having that ending and having to find a way to justify an hour's worth of preceding action that led to brains flying through the air and killing people yeah but so i feel good i think about putting seating of a ghost above fiend without a face yeah for sure i think if we actually go down Mm -hmm. um we're looking more at like virus return to oz blackjack oh yeah area okay so i hmm that's tough because i feel like return to oz is probably better Oh, I think it is better as, like, a full movie. Now, mm-hmm. Visitor in the Eye, not so much, because although there is a scene where um, a man steals an eyeball from the eyeball bank, because that's an actual place, <laughs> right? and a disembodied voice is laughing through the whole scene... <laughs> Yeah, that's... There's not really any more plot, per se. Completely agree. And now, so Creep 2 at 120. I was just re-watching Creep 2 today. Um, That movie's fucking outstanding. And I feel like it's probably better than Fiend Without a Face. 
Yeah, uh, but I think um, Devil's Candy is not. Agree, yeah. I think that ending... Even though Ethan Embry has kind, kind eyes... Extremely and kind. I just watched uh, Empire Records again the other day. He, he can't... He can't hold a candle up to the um, crawling brains of. We mustn't. We mustn't cry. No, not today. We can't. Not on Rex Manning Day. Um. So yeah. So uh, coming in at our new, uh, one twenty one above Devil's Candy and between uh, and and below Creep Two is Fiend Without a Face. Did you know that's above the ring? I don't feel great about that. But actually, tell you what, I you know what, if Ring is already this far down the list, sure. That makes sense. Well, Fuck it. listen, listen up. Uh-huh. The ring don't have a Criterion release. That's, well, you know, probably Ringu is going to get one, even though I think the ring is better than Ringo. Um, let's, let's get to one of our uh, listener requests uh, real quick. Yes. Um, so an, uh, Anonymous on uh, Tumblr requested Cabin in the Woods. Um, yeah. Fuck me, so, right? Cabin in the this Woods. is a very good movie. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, yeah. Controversial take. Uh, I really like the Cabin in the Woods. I think it's a very good movie. Um, I think now, to be fair, it is kind of controversial pick because a lot of people have the worm has turned on Joss Whedon. Oh, it certainly has. Because you remember when he was the Golden Boy and couldn't do anything, you know, couldn't could do no wrong circa 2012, and now I feel like everybody's looking back at a lot of Joss Whedon stuff and going, "Hey, actually, fuck this." Um, I as as a as a man with a firefly tattoo. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you know, I don't feel super good about that. No, but here No, but here's the thing. Buffy is still my favorite show of all time. It's it's the the thing that made that I met Christina over was talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So it's going to have a special place Listen, in my heart forever. Willow one time dated a demon from the internet, <laughs> from the internet. that made a computer body for himself. <laughs> Um, now, the thing is, uh, Cabin in the Woods is very, 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 very good. And I think the thing that I like about Cabin in the Woods, um, it's actually a meta-horror movie. I would say most movies that claim to be meta-horror, it's actually horseshit. They're not actually trying to deconstruct or in any way comment on the genre or say anything about it or, or uh, examine it. And I feel like Cabin in the Woods... It feels like a, a loving noogie from people who really like horror movies. Yes, and it's so rich for rewatching because it's just so like jam packed with stuff. Oh yeah, like that the you scene pick up the scene when they go to the compound and you just see all of the different monsters that they have sort of waiting for people. There's there are so many little Easter eggs where you're like, oh, that's basically a Cenobite, or that's oh shit, they've got like they're they're doing a little riff on Candyman. Um, and honestly, every time that I rewatch the movie, I like that it is doing something. It like it manages to be funny, legitimately scary at several points. Um, Chris Hemsworth is a delight. Uh, the guy that plays the stoner in this and was also on Dollhouse, which I have still never seen. Um, he's delightful. Franz Kranz. Franz Kranz, which is the greatest name ever. Even better than Ansel Elgort is Franz Kranz. Um, um. I hate to tell you, I just bought a book today by an author named Wolf Rip. <laughs> Which I'm, is absolutely their real name. Like, we think that Wolf Rip is, like, a stage name. Fuck that. Of the, of oh, of the Boston Rips? Um, yeah. So, like, Cabin in the Woods. So, one time, um, 
So one time when I was an intern for a literary magazine, mm-hmm. I got a cover letter by some guy, and his name was like Ansel Salmon Teeth. Like his actual name. <laughs> it was Ansel Elgort. And then uh, his name has been changed to protect his identity. Of course, I don't of course. blow his spot up. Right. But like, you know, I get a letter with the return address for, you know, Salmon Teeth of the, the Pennsylvania <laughs> Salmon Teeth. And he's like, but my actual pin, but my pin name is Bob Clark. <laughs> and I'm Which, like, no, my guy, your pin name is your name. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. His real name is Richard Blood. His name is Dick Blood. And he's like, mm, what if I was Ricky Steamboat? Like, motherfucker. You... Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I, I really like Cabin in the Woods. And I think that it's one of those movies that I've rewatched a bunch of times. And uh, I I appreciate that Cabin in the Woods, honestly. Now, there is there is a resentment I have about people sort of in recent years going, oh, look at the Babadook and the Witch and it follows. Maybe there's something to this whole horror genre that I've been shitting on for the last, like, 20 years of my life. Um, and I, I honestly, though, I do appreciate that Cabin in the Woods sort of made a lot of people look at horror and go, oh, yeah, I guess it's doing some cool stuff. Um I especially love that this movie's ad campaign actually kind of failed because it did not sell it as a meta movie. As a comedy. It sold it as an actual slasher movie. Yeah, which honestly, slasher movies generally, I think there's another thing that I get real fucking salty and pedantic about, which is when people talk about the horror genre when A, they don't watch horror and tell you that they do not watch horror movies and also seem to believe that current mainstream horror is still slasher movies which y'all it hasn't been in vogue since the late 90s with scream like slasher movies have not been the big wave in horror for a long long time uh and i feel like yeah it's ghosts yeah it's it's ghosts or i mean you know shit even torture porn had its you know five minutes in the 2000s and i feel like Cabin in the Woods, the way that it was marketed, it's like it was drawing on, like, yeah, go see a new slasher movie, when people are like, well, those are a bit old hat, aren't they? Yeah, and then, but but the benefit is I skipped it in the theaters because I was like, this looks like the same kind of crap. Right. And then, you know, as that first watch, it's like, oh, shit. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, and you know it. It's got such good comic. You know, horror timing and comic timing are the same. Completely agree. Uh, I there now. I feel like other movies post Cabin in the Woods have tried doing the same sort of uh, needle dick uh, office worker scientist guys are in a room trying to orchestrate horror uh, scenarios, and I feel like with very sort of limited results. And I think that Cabin in the Woods. There's some kind of magic on this movie, I think. I, I, I don't... I feel like everybody I know who's watched Cabin in the Woods either liked it or at least appreciated the thing that it was doing. And that's really rare to get, like, non-horror fans and horror fans to watch a thing and have everybody go, yeah, it's pretty good. I dare say it is better than Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, shit. Yeah, actually, I would... You know what? Agree. I like Pan's Labyrinth a lot, but I think Cabin in the Woods, it's, I don't know, it's, I I think, more rewatchable for me. A, because, I mean, Pan's Labyrinth by design is really brutal to watch in places. Uh, But yeah, I feel like, honestly, Friday Night Test, I would rather watch Cabin in the Woods than Pan's Labyrinth. 
Now, the only thing that would make Pan's Labyrinth better than The Shape of Water is if the merman fucks. The merman doesn't fuck. The merman does not fuck. And honestly, uh, I have rewatched The Shape of Water a whole bunch since it came out, and I feel like I like it more every time I watch it. So honestly, gun to my head right now, The Shape of Water versus anything, I'm probably liable to be like, eh, this fish fucks. So... So that puts Cabin in the Woods at number 27. Yeah, number 27, above Pan's Labyrinth, in between Shape of Water, breaking up the Guillermo del Toro movies. Um, thank you for that request. I honestly, I, Cabin in the Woods, I feel like it was only a matter of time before we ranked that on the podcast, you know? Yes. So why don't you tell our listeners how they can send us more requests, Ryan? So listeners, if you want to send us a request and have us uh, yell about the thing like we just did with the anonymous request for Cabin in the Woods on our Tumblr, you're going you're gonna to want to go over to our Tumblr at just rankandvile.tumblr.com or you're going to want to email it uh, to rankandvilecast uh, at gmail.com. Uh, we are also over on Twitter, permanently shitposting at all hours of the day and night at rankandvilecast on Twitter. Uh, check us out on Letterboxd uh, at just rank and vile, um, or on Instagram, which is run entirely by Quincy at just rank and vile. Um, seriously, if there's a, a horror movie, you know, a, a lot of the big heavy hitters I've realized we have not done. We have never done the original Friday the 13th. Honestly, at this point, I think the only way that we've ever done any of the Friday the 13ths is because somebody requested them. Um, yeah, get at us. Uh, if there's any, any horror movie yes, you want to do. Be the be the change you want to see in the world. Exactly. Shoot right. us some requests. Yeah, and then, hey, guys, um, if you're over on iTunes, which uh, I, I'm reliably informed a lot of people are, uh, consider leaving us a five-star review or just, you know, sort of going like, yes, they talk about horror movies, and I like that, and leave that as a review. Or, you know, we love hearing from uh, people uh, about our, our failings. Uh, leave us uh, a five-star review, and then ideally other people might find this podcast and move us up the rankings on iTunes iTunes. Or another thing that warms the cockles of my heart is if you, in person or online, say, have you listened to this podcast to your friend? And, you know, just introduce us. There's yeah. a lot of power in just saying, I like this thing. I think you would like this thing. Check it out. That yeah. kind of helps us um, keep going. Yeah. And most of the podcasts that I've ever gotten into have been pretty much through word of mouth. Um, but, uh, barring that, I think that is all I got. You got anything else? Um, one more thing. We are on YouTube. We have a playlist of, uh, horror rap tie-in songs. Shit, yeah, if we do. If you have a suggestion to that, please email me, rankandvilecast at gmail.com. You can find our playlist if you search rankandvile, rankandvile on YouTube. You'll be able to find our account in the playlist. We just got hooked up with an Amazon affiliate account, full disclosure. So if you want to rent some of these movies on Amazon Video or buy the DVDs, um, that will, and you use the links we provide you, that will help us um, pay the bills. And that's, that's really helpful. Um, stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks.